the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you ready for the word? Praise him. This is Pastor Pearson of Word of Faith Christian Center here in sunny San Antonio, Texas. A Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church where Jesus Christ is Lord and you'll never be bored. I want to welcome all of you back to our radio broadcast that I pray as being a blessing to you and yours. So sit back and relax as I bring a message from the Word of God just for you. But please, please, please have an ear to hear what the Lord is about to say. Because if you do, I guarantee that you'll be blessed today. So without further ado, let me bring today's message to you. It's about recovery and restoration. As a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ and a steward of his manifold grace, I've learned something that astonishes me. That's that. Although the Bible clearly teaches us that God is a God of recovery and restoration, far too many saints don't know it. And even worse, some saints go so far as to refuse to believe it and thereby miss out on it. For the recovery and restoration that God promises that he'll do in our lives to actually happen, we have to believe that he'll do it for us and that it really can happen. So, since God's word says faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God, then it's my pleasure to share with you some more of what the word of God has to say about the awesome promise of bringing recovery and restoration that God wants to do in our lives. So, without further ado, let me share today's message with you about recovery and restoration. But before I do, I got a question to ask you. Are you ready for the word? Because ready or not, here it comes. Joel chapter 2, praise God. We're going to begin reading in verse 21. It reads, Fear not, O land, be glad, and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Be not afraid, ye beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring. For the tree beareth her fruit, the fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. And the floor shall be full of wheat, and the vat shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. The canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army, which I sent among you. And ye shall be eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God that have dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. And ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. Because that's what he said to us in Jesus' name. He said to us that he was going to cause a recovery and a restoration to be able to come back into the midst of our lives in such a way where it would magnify itself in terms of manifestation in the midst of our lives to the point that things would start happening in our lives to the point that we would never be ashamed. Where everything will be restored to me and you. Everything will be brought back to me and you. Everything will be made up as well as made good that was even lost or damaged or destroyed by me and you. Our God is a God of recovery, and recovery is what he does for me and you. Amen. And God wants you to have the faith necessary to receive what he has in store for you. 
Because remember, grace opens the door, but faith is what allows it to be able to actually manifest in the midst of your life. And he's opening a door of recovery and restoration to me and you. Now we have to have the faith necessary for him to be able to do what he said he's going to do. Because he said, be it unto you according to your faith. I got anybody here got some faith? I'm in the right house then. Praise God. Well, we've been looking at the different things that God wants to restore in the midst of our lives. Many, many, many things we've already dealt with that he wants to restore in our life. But we've been working on this one for a little while now, the last few times, and that is the restoration of our name. God wants to bring the recovery and restoration of our name so that we can have a good name, which we found out is more valuable than silver and gold. A good name, which is to be chosen even above silver and gold. Which means if you had a choice between silver, gold, and a good name, leave the silver and gold on the table. Take the good name. Because a good name can buy you not on, get you not only the silver and gold, but it'll get you a table and a house to put it in too. Praise God. And a car to drive up to the house looking sweet too. Is that The good name will do all that for you. So we need to get this good name. Everybody say, I'm getting me a good name. I'm getting me a good name. We found out a, great, a good name is like a precious ointment. Yes, it is. It's a sweet smelling savor. And it is comforting and it's a relaxing thing too. In such a way it'll cause you to be able to rest and relax in life, being satisfied, knowing that the heat that's in this world that's affecting everybody won't be affecting me and you. Our reputation, we found out, can be mended. Because some of us tore up our name. Amen. Some of us jacked up our name. Some of it ripped apart our name. It's laying over to the side like Humpty Dumpty. Praise God. And even though all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put it back together again, God said, I will. I'll take your name and restore it just as if it was never, ever harmed in Jesus' name. We even start looking at different people in scripture to see whose names he restored. Last time we got together, we looked at the recovery and restoration of John Mark's name. The recovery and restoration of John Mark's name. We found out John Mark earned a bad name by leaving his team on the battlefield and going and followed his own will rather than do what it is that he was there to do. We found out that he was, went there as a minister of both Barnabas and Saul, praise God, but then he left them all on the battlefield, praise God, to go ahead and do what he wanted to do. Abandoned them, withdrew his support from them and help from them in the time that they needed him. In spite of the duty and the allegiances and the responsibilities that he had, he, he deserted them. We found out that he gave up and discontinued any further interest in something because of discouragement, weariness, distaste, or the like. Whatever his reason was, he wasn't there, and we found out that at least one of them, Paul, didn't like it. So much so that, praise God, that a contention rose between him and Barnabas to the point that it split the dynamic duo that God put together. Because God says, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work that I have for them. And even though they went out and did a mighty work, too, because they started all kind of churches and did some awesome things on the missionary tour that they were supposed to do, when they got back to, to home base and decided to go back out to be able to look those people that they started their churches and look them in their face, Barnabas said, I'm going to bring John Mark with us. And Paul said, no, you ain't either. And he said, well, yes, I am. And he said, no, you ain't either. And it rose up to be such a contention that they end up splitting apart. Because why? Because faithfulness and, 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 and undependability can even bring dissension in the midst of the ranks, especially of the people who are faithful. And Paul said, ain't no way he going out there with me. Praise God. Amen. Because he got a bad name. Because people can jack up their name based upon their lack of faithfulness, their lack of dependability, and they're forsaken and leaving people like they ought not do, like he did. But we got good news, though. And that's that.
his name was restored. And because his name was restored later on down the line, the same Paul that said, don't you dare think about bringing him over here with me, was seeking him as well as looking for him to be able to come and be able to serve with him. Later on said that he's one of my fellow servants, praise God, and he's one of my fellow servants on the battlefield. Even to the point that when he was in jail, he said, send for him and go get him and bring him to me because he is profitable to me. Because the same person that was unprofitable can become profitable. We found out one of the reasons why was because he, he, he was further developed potentially by Barnabas. Whereas he continued to learn what, what it took in order to be in the thing that he was set there to do. Until he eventually learned what he needed to learn and then began to do consistently what he was supposed to do. Until eventually he became a faithful person. And then ultimately, God demonstrated, we found out, the restoration of that man's name by showing you that God can use a person even after they mess up like that. Because God enlisted him to be one of the four writers of the gospel. Because whenever we read up the, open up the Bible and we look the gospel according to Mark, that's John Mark. Whereas he ended up being used not only by Paul, but he was used by God too in order to be able to even share a word that's coming through all ages, including me and you. Your, your, your name can do the same thing, too. Even if your name got towed up, praise God, because of what you didn't do, or towed up because of what you did do, God can still use you. There's just a development that's necessary, and we learned a lot about that development. Because anybody that decides to lock in and hold on to the principles of God, conduct themselves according to the principles of God, your name can be restored. Look at your neighbor and say, there's a chance for you. Praise God. Amen. There's a chance for you. Well, we're going to look at another one today. Praise God. I think it's going to be a blessing to you. This one's going to come from an angle that you probably wouldn't even consider. But that's what I'm here for, is to be able to help you to be looking at and to look at things from angles that you normally wouldn't consider. We've been looking at examples of people being recovered and names being recovered and restored by God. We're going to look at another person whose name was recovered. An example of a person whose name was recovered and restored by God. Turn with me to the book of Ruth. Ruth is an example of a person whose name was recovered and restored. In fact, Ruth is known by many theologians as the woman of, con- of constancy because of her constancy in her faithfulness. Ruth's name was restored from a bad name because of the choices that she made. It became a bad name because of the choices that she made. But it also became a good name because of the choices that she made. Because your choices can even cause your name to go bad. Your choices can also cause your name to get good. That's good news. Because if some of us made bad choices in the past, we can make good choices in the future, and it'll restore your name just like Ruth's name was restored. Ruth was a person whose name was not a very good name, but became a very, very, very good name because of what it is that she was found doing. Let's look at what she was doing. Start off with Ruth chapter 1. Starting with verse 1. It says, now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. Of course, anybody has studied the Bible that know when at the time when the judges ruled, Israel was crazy. It was buck wild, doing what they want to do, doing whatever it is that they thought they felt like doing. Praise God. They was like doing all kinds of stuff. Praise God. So the name of Israel was getting tore up all over the place. Praise God. But even in the midst of this, of this sewer, of this, of this, of this cesspool, called the book of Judges, is actually couched in the middle of it, a book called Ruth, whereas Ruth is like the lily pad, and it's the oasis in the midst of the desert. It's the lily pad in the midst of the cesspool of a wonderful woman of God and how it is that she conducted herself to be able to demonstrate the, the faithfulness of God and to be able to show us a small picture 
of what it is that was going to happen to us as we get redeemed from the slave market of sin. Beautiful, beautiful story, my God. Starting with verse 1. Now it came to pass in the days when judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Well, once again, at the time when, Jude, when Israel was tripping, wasn't living like they were supposed to live, doing what they were supposed to do, they was being consumed by the, the community that they, was, that, uh, that they had been sent into and began to start conducting themselves like those people, like God told them don't do. As a result of that, a famine hit the land because you just can't keep getting blessed, not doing what God said do. I know people don't like that. I don't care. Still true anyway. Hey, man, fat meat's still greasy and life still ain't easy if you don't not do what God said do. And a famine ended up hitting the entire land. So as a result of that, instead of straightening out and flying right and doing what God says is right, you had some of the Israelites who left the land that God brought them to in order to be able to go to another land where a famine had not yet hit. Praise God. That's where we pick up in verse 2. It says, and the name of the man was... Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, which means pleasantness. And the name of his two sons was Malon and Chilion. Two people I'm glad I didn't grow up next to. Praise God. I'd have gotten in trouble talking about them back then. I wasn't saved yet. Chilion. Yo, Chile, what's up, baby? <laughs> Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab. And continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left and her two sons. So he left. They went into another land. Things didn't quite work out for him because he ended up dying. Now she's a widow. Naomi is a widow. She still got two sons, though. So girlfriend still got a chance. Because back then, if something happened to the, to the, to the one of the parents and the mother was left alone, then the uh, the, the, the sons would take care of it. The sons would still handle everything. Praise God. She had two of them, so she was in good shape. Still, you know, husband gone, but, you know, provision is still going to be there. Verse 4 says, And they took them wives of the woman of Moab, and the name of one was Orpah. That's, you know, Oprah's great-great-great-grandmother. Praise God. <laughs> and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelt there about 10 years. Notice this is 10 years. They dwelt there about 10 years. Now, many theologians believe the entire 10 years is to begin of the time from the time that they were married to the time that they dwelt. That, that, that we pick up in the story. Some believe the entire 10 years is including the time that they got married, but it doesn't tell you that it happened at the beginning. You work it the way you want to. Praise God. Neither one of them changes the story, but it keeps because it keeps it all true. And Malon and Chilion died also, both of them. And the word was, and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband, which means now the, the two boys then died too. Malon died, Chilion died, as well as her husband, Elimelech. They all died. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Or another way of phrasing it, 
provision was manifesting once again back in the place that they were from. Wherefore, she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. Praise God, where praise can be able to manifest. And Naomi said unto her two daughter-in-laws, daughters-in-law, go return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. In other words, say, y'all go get married to somebody else. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. Back then, they used to do it real loud, praise God. They'd be wailing and stuff like that. You ain't going to do it up in here, praise God. They'd be wailing and sobbing and crying and stuff. And they was going through all that stuff. And I believe they meant it, praise God. I really do believe they meant it. Verse 10 says, and they said unto her, surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, no, turn again, my daughters. Notice what she calls them, my daughters. She don't call them my daughter-in-laws. She called them my daughters, which shows the affection that existed between them, at least on the mother's side. He said, turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb? That ye may be, that they may be your husbands. See, back then, if somebody was in a, it was a brother, a brother to a brother who's, who, you know, if they he had brothers, then that means that that brother could marry her. Praise God to make them his wife and everybody take care of her, be her covering from that point over. But she said, "Look, I only had two. Both of them gone. So if y'all stick with me." You ain't going to get nothing. You ain't going to be married. So at least go back into your own country and maybe you can hook up with somebody there. Because I ain't got no more kids. And I ain't got none in my womb either. Because remember, my husband dead. Can I put a pause button right there? Look at this woman of God. That even though her husband dead, as far as she's concerned, that means that that ended the sexual relations. Selah, think about that. Let's just pause button on. She said in verse 12, turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would you tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay with, would you stay for them from would you stay them from having husbands? Nay. No, you know you wouldn't. Don't be lying. My daughters, for it grieved me much for your sakes that the land of the Lord is gone out against me. And they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. See ya. I'm sure it was a little more personal than that. Praise God. But that's, you know, I want to get so much time. She yeah, holler, holler at you, you know. I'm going to be texting you. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be writing you. I get back with you, you know, but I'm out because it made sense to her. You know, you're right. I ain't going to be sitting around waiting all that time. And even if I do, he might not want me even at that time. So because of that, hundredfold back into your life, young man. And so because of that, you're right. I'm out of here. I'm going to get me some action because remember, they needed somebody to cover them back then. Praise God. 
And so he kissed her and said, see you later. But Ruth clave unto her. Notice Ruth clave unto her. Now this is going to be an interesting story right here. Because we're going to learn about a person whose name was made bad because of their decisions. But yet, although their name was made bad because of their decisions, we're going to see also where their decisions make their name good too. It's going to be powerful. Now, Ruth was the daughter-in-law of Naomi. Daughter-in-law of Naomi. In fact, Ruth was the Gentile wife of Malon. The Gentile wife of Malon. Now, I don't know if you know it or not, but that automatically causes her name not to be considered a good name. Because she's now the Gentile wife of a, of, of a Jew. Now, that's both of my home people. Her name ain't all that great no more. Because she went and married one of them Jews. Don't y'all look at me like that. Because we, many, I'm looking around this room here. Most of us grew up in, in, in years, praise God, whereas if you went and got somebody from another, from another nationality, folk would be looking at you. Some of y'all would still be looking at people if they went and got somebody with a nationality. If I was a single man, praise God, and, and, and I was your pastor, and you'd be like, oh, that pastor, I love that pastor. And then I walked in here with somebody that is not my nationality. Most of y'all would not hear a word I said from that point on. You would, like, lose your focus. And for some of you, not, not too many of you, but for some of you, you might even think less of me afterwards because of who I hooked up with. Amen. It's true anyway. So even among her people, they're like, mm-hmm. You was over with that in Jews. Like we wasn't good enough. Her name wasn't all that good amongst her own people. So even if she did go back to her own people, they probably wouldn't have quite looked at her the same way. And it's even more so amongst the Jews. Because see, the Jews wasn't supposed to be man nobody outside their rate, outside their nationality anyway. Cross the board. You don't believe me? Keep a finger here. Turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 7, please. See, the Jews were told not to marry women from the land that they were going. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 1, it says, When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land, whither thou goest to possess it, and have cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater than thou art, than thou. And when the Lord thy God shall bring them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. And thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor, nor sh- show mercy unto them. Neither shalt thou make, make merry with them. Thy daughters thou shalt not give unto them. His son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son. And then he goes on to say some other things. Basically, tear up everything they've got to do with them. Praise God. Jack up everything they've got to do with them. Why is that? Verse 4. For they will turn away thy sons from following me, that they may serve other little g-gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. Some theologians, I'm not in a, necessarily in agreement with that, believes that that's one of the reasons why they died early. All of them died early. Well, two of them died early. That's the sons. Was because they both hooked up with who God said don't hooked up with. And so what God said will happen ended up happening. And then the father, because he left where God had him to be and decided to be someplace other than where he was supposed to be, 
Let me listen to me. There's never any place better to be than smack dab in the middle of God's will. I don't care if hell is happening where you are. If that's what God said be, then that's all right. God going to give you a, a hell umbrella. Praise God. Hallelujah. And, and it's going to be falling all around you. It ain't going to hit you. You just stay where you're supposed to be. I don't care what you're going through. Is anybody hearing me? Because there's no better place to be than where God wants you to be. Well, that's all the way I have time for today. I hope that you are blessed by what the Word of God had to say. I hope that you're learning how blessed it is to be a child of the God of recovery and restoration. Our God loves us so much, and He wants to do so much for us too, including bringing recovery and restoration of all that was lost and or stolen in the lives of me and you. He tells us in His Word, That's what he wants to do for me and you. And according to John 17, every word in God's word is true, including the promise of bringing recovery and restoration into the lives of me and you. So come on, saints, let's believe God's word is true and let God do in our lives what he promised he'll do. That is bring recovery and restoration into the lives of me and you. If you want to hear the message in its entirety, just contact the church office at area code 210-785-9238. That's area code 210-785-9238. Or write us at Word of Faith Christian Center, 1928 Bassey Road in San Antonio, Texas, 78213. We'll be more than glad to get it out to you ASAP. But it's always best when you can get it live. If you're in or visiting San Antonio and surrounding areas, come on by and see us. Word of Faith Christian Center is located at 1928 Bassey Road in San Antonio, Texas, between West and Blanco. Service times are Wednesdays at noon, Thursday evenings at 6.45, Saturday afternoons at 4.30, and Sunday mornings at 8 and 11. If you don't have transportation or you're in need of a ride, we'll come and get you. We have a VIP transportation service that's available at every service. We'll pick you up, bring you to the church, and then drop you off at home after it's over. Just call the church office and arrange a ride. We'll be glad to come and get you. So, come on through. You'll be blessed when you do. I guarantee you. Don't forget to tune in to our broadcast tomorrow for more of this life-changing word we have in store for you. Call a neighbor, call a friend, tell them to tune in. But when you do, know that we're going to ask the same question of you. That is, are you ready for the word? Y'all stay blessed. See you tomorrow.